Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange. A fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. We missed a chance to go top of the table this weekend after a frustrating draw against Livingston at Celtic Park. A late penalty miss by Georges Giacomakis made the headlines, but now that the dust has settled, do we require some perspective given what the team achieved in the month of October? Four league wins, including results at Pitodre, Fur Park and Easter Road, as well as a Europa League win over Fernsvaros, have all been ticked off, the only blip being Saturday's 0-0 draw. This is episode 44 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino, and this week, the formidable strike pair of Miff and Paddy are here to provide you with the answers to all things Celtic. Miff, did Jacko ruin your weekend with that penalty miss, or are you already over it? Uh, hello Tino, hello Paddy, hello listeners um, I was for telling Jacko to beat it um, That's what that's what I would say um, I, We're only about 20 seconds I in and that's not, your Guinness that I was not doing well, it's Halloween Oh no, it's Thriller um, no, the, the, <laughs> uh, the, I just laughed at my main joke here, sorry um, <laughs> No, I I am still pretty flat from it, if I'm being honest I, I know what you're saying about the perspective element And I know we'll get into the, the, the kind of bones of that later but for me it was what Saturday meant in terms of going top of the table I think it's the first time we've had a chance to go use a cliche but put a marker down of, of some description and, and we've failed to do it to be quite frank with you and if I'm being perfectly honest from the very early doors it felt like one of those days um, slow ponderous side to side no real intensity no real intent and to be honest with you I think we got what we deserved yeah, Paddy, what about you? It was obviously a sore one on Saturday, but <clears throat> excuse me, how do you feel now you had a chance to reflect on it? Yeah, I, I can't agree with my phone on that. You know, just that, you know, we, we dictated where the ball went, um, but it was it was too side to side for me on Saturday. Um, it was slow play, all kind of coming from, kind of starting from your back three, uh, your, your back two, p- p- pushing it on to beat on. And... I've said many, many times in this show, I'm still really surprised he's still at the club. Um, I know options are limited. Um, I just think for me, the start of 11 was wrong on Saturday. And I think that's where we fell down. I completely agree with that. Um, just to touch on the beat on point, his use of the ball under no pressure was absolutely horrendous. Saturday. That's the thing, you know, a lot of people say a beaton's just fine. He's not just fine. He's he's very, very average and, and how he's still in the Celtic team at this moment in time, he is the man who can't be moved or won't be moved and he just seems to keep getting these games and testimonial year next year as, as we've discussed <laughs> and we'll see how that goes. Particularly disappointing moment in the first half, I think a wee bit before 40 minutes and Abada's found him in the box in acres and rather than take the time, turn around, get a shot away, it's rolled under his foot. 
just incredible stuff. So what we'll do, obviously, very disappointing draw on Saturday, as Miff says, we'll get into the bones of it in general, but there's a few key talking points and I'd be really keen to hear the thoughts uh, of you guys on that. So the first major change pre-match, so Paddy, you've mentioned we, that you think we got the team wrong, I'm inclined to agree. First major change, uh, obviously, was a decision to rest Kyogo for the game and opt for Jack Amakis instead. Um, and in terms of, you know, taking a look at the merits of, of giving Kyogo a rest, there, there's various arguments for why we maybe should. So, just looking at some of the information behind it, he's already featured in a combined 38 games this season. So that's a full season by by some standards. Mm-hmm. This includes 21 league games he played for VCL Kobe in Japan, nine league games for us so far. He also missed a few with his knee injury. Uh, there's various Euro qualifiers, cup games in there. VCL Kobe's league campaign actually started over eight months ago, uh, back in the 27th of February this year, with a 1-0 win over Gamba Osaka. The winning goal scorer on that day, Miff? Iniesta? Uh, Noriaki Fujimoto. I'm kidding. It was uh, Kyogo, of course. <laughs> so he's obviously had a very long season so far, played a lot of football. Maybe we do need to give him a rest and, and he's chosen to do so at the weekend. Should we not perhaps keep him for the league stuff though and the less important European stuff is where we get the break? Well, I, I mean, I'm still of this opinion that Europe's important for getting us, um, getting us a bit of rhythm within our, our starting 11. I think that it doesn't matter who you're playing just now. Um, maybe the cup games, the, the like the, the smaller cup games, which have already passed, you can you can afford to change the team about quite a lot there. But I think Europe's still important to us. You want Kyogo playing Europe. You want Kyogo playing in the league. I totally understand, you know, that run of games isn't going to stand as in good stead. The fact that he has played pretty much a full season over in Japan and he's coming into a full season here. But, you know, there's players that are at this club that have played, you know, three, four years in and out, 60-odd games a season and went and represented international teams at European European or World co- competitions as well. So I'm inclined to believe he should still be still be okay to play, in yeah, my opinion. He's also, he's a particularly fit guy, isn't he? You know, we can see just how lively he is, how pace he is and how much work he puts in. He's 26 years of age, mm. you know, he's he's in prime condition. Um, I mean, my f- we already had one key change enforced upon us with Tom Rodgers being absent from the squad. I just don't think this current Celtic squad has the luxury of dropping someone as influential as Kyogo. I think you're absolutely right there, Tino. The the bottom line for Ange and for Celtic fans is we know that Kyogo not playing through the middle makes us a weaker team. So the minute you're making the decision to either move him or rest him, drop him, whatever way you want to put it, you're making your team weaker. Mm-hmm. I think Ange in some way has, has thought, again, who knows what he's thought, but my opinion is that he's thought, A, Livingston present a, a physical kind of threat um, in, in different ways. Now, my argument to that would be a smaller, faster player's probably got to be of yeah. more use than a, than a, a big physical player because they'll, they'll relish that battle. That's one point. And the second is that I think he's thought Kyogo needed rested just because of the run of games. And you touched on the knee injury there. He's not really that long back for that and he's played fairly intensely since. So I I, I think that's where he's been coming from. Um, but we haven't won the game. So therefore, as we haven't won the game, it's been the wrong decision. Simple as that. I think on that one as well, see, talking about <clears throat> the physical presence that Livingston do, do have against us. And I watched the game, obviously, uh, at the Tony Mac. Um, and we, every, every single bit of our play, everything went down. It seemed to be like the left wing, but a lot did happen down the right as well. And the balls were always floated in. So their goalkeeper or the, the big lad at centre half was just mopping it up every single time. And, you know, it kind of was almost like a wee bit of a rerun on Saturday. And, and I just feel that someone, you know, 
starting someone like Beaton, Beaton's not got the confidence, in my opinion, to play the ball forward. They will look for the sides, and every bit of our play just seemed to kind of come from there. And it was beginning to be a bit annoying. Yeah, well, that I felt, um, I felt Turnbull uh, didn't take enough responsibility and try to make something happen. Yeah, I, I felt with Rogic not being in the team that the responsibility was on Turnbull to be that sort of kind of creative number 10 now I know there wasn't a lot of space there but he didn't really try much which is unlike him I, I don't I think he, he maybe tried one shot and I just thought to myself you know what when it got to about 75 minutes guys we've been doing this for you know most of the game it's not happening maybe you actually need to try and take somebody on maybe you need to actually try and drive into the box Um, I thought equally as much Jota was as ineffective as he's ever been in a Celtic jersey understandable there wasn't a lot of room for him to play Abada was was pretty frustrating he was the most guilty of the floated cross um, and I have to say I know last week we, we gave Ralkson a wee bit of stick about his um, very hard driven uh, balls across the box <laughs> in at the knee area he actually produced three or four excellent crosses especially yeah. in the first half and then he done it first up in the second half as well um, so hi if you're listening Tony um, but <laughs> The, just the, a severe lack of quality in, in the attacking areas which is not something you can really level at. I was thinking back to the United game I think we hit the bar or the post three or four times in that yeah. game there, there was more genuine chances I think the best one that we had was the one other than the, the penalty obviously was the one kicked off the line in the first half mm-hmm. Ralston helped his left foot it looked like it, that was getting into the corner uh, the guy kicked it off the line with his head yeah, which was clever. Oh, so. well, that's how good love you are at defending. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> that's, like, that's what happens in a roll block. I think uh, Ralston had about, th- I, I counted three crosses in the first 10 minutes, three very good crosses in the first 10 minutes. He linked up well with Abada. Um, the one you mentioned, it was actually probably the one bit of invention that Turnbull showed. He, he moved into the box and rolled it behind himself where Ralston took it curling with the left foot. It's actually the only real shot on target. I'm not sure if you can count the penalty as a shot on target. Um, but it's a left foot curler. It's gone beyond the keeper and the guy's positioned himself well to head it away. Um, that aside, Turnbull did try a shot from distance, but it was blocked almost immediately. The guy yeah. was right next to him. And I can't think of much else creatively beyond that. And I suppose that's the difference between Turnbull and Tom Rogic. Rogic has got that real ability to, to turn on the half turn and just really stride and go at guys. Turnbull's not got that drive about him. Or, com- or confidence, yeah. I just, I, for, for me, I, it's very hesitant from him. I've said this before about Turnbull. There's many a time he can just, you know, take take the risk. People will, apl- will applaud you more if you will take the risk. Turn, take that half turn, try and play the pass quick. Instead of playing it back, he plays it back too often. That's, I think it's just been able to understand the situation and inject urgency into it. So, if it gets to 70 minutes and you have been passing the ball about and, you know, fairly nice patterns, untroubled because you've got the space to do so. But then when you get to the final third, you're doing the same thing repeatedly. Nobody really seemed to be wanting to take MD on. Um, I thought that's when it becomes incumbent on somebody like Turnbull to go, do you know what, I'll, I'll just try and drive into the box. But he doesn't really do that, whereas Rogic would. Rogic would try, mm-hmm. you know, and twist and turn and, and, and get into the box and get into a dangerous position. Might fall over the ball, might get the ball took off him. But at least you know he's trying to do that and drag players out of position. All the wee niggly things come to the fore when you don't win. Like I said before, not winning at Celtic Park's a disaster. Um, <laughs> every, every time, individually, regardless of the context, when Celtic don't win a game at home, the fans go home absolutely miserable. Doesn't matter whether it's a defeat or a draw, you go, oh no, that's terrible. And then you analyse it to death. We things, we niggly things then come up. One being Giacomacchus starting to steady Kyogo. 
two for me, Juranovic playing left back and yeah. offering no no actual attacking threat on the left hand side and meaning that when the the winger, whoever that winger was, whether it was Abada, whether it was uh, Mikey Jones when he came on, they were doubled up almost immediately and there was no respite. The ball was getting rolled back to Juranovic and immediately was cutting inside so the, um, the defenders knew what was happening. Now we've got away with that in, in other instances, um, Juranovic playing in that position. But I think it was last week or the week before we touched on it, you know, he's he's a international right back. He's getting asked to play left back, you know. That, that's, uh, yeah, it's puzzling. I'd like to spend a wee bit of time on it, actually. I've noted it here for discussion because, as you say, you know, Ange continues to play him. He's, your, he's the Croatian international right back, but we continue to play him at left back. It's down, I think, to, you know, two reasons. Part, part of it is due to the lack of other options at left back or, or options that Ange trusts. And the other part is due to the solid form that Ralston's shown at right back. It's such a dilemma because... We know that Ralston's limited, but he was potentially man of the match against Hibs the other night. He had a decent game on Saturday. I thought, you, I thought he was excellent on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so what do you do now? Do, do you take the call, to balance the team out, that is, does Ange take the call to say, I know you're doing well, Tony, this might come across as harsh, but Juranovic goes in, say, Montgomery or Bolingoli or however, scales the, 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 the chap we've not seen a whole lot of. Is he going at left back and then you've got that balance? Because you're right, when Celtic break down the left-hand side, Jota in the first half, Mikey Johnson in the, the last stages, they're doubling up and tripling up at times yeah. on this winger. And if you've got a left back overlapping, giving you an option, you can either give it to him to whip it in first time left-footed or he takes a man with him yeah. and it gives you a chance of doing something. We don't have that balance on the left-hand side. So, I mean, what do you think he should do? Should he drop Ralston? Uh, to be honest, I would have said a couple of weeks ago, probably that would be the, the thing I would look at. But yeah, like the, you guys have, have touched on, I think uh, Ralston is definitely putting a good claim in um, to, to, keep his, to keep his shirt. For me, I think as well, we, we are talking about the, this run of games. He's wanting to keep things fresh. We've seen Starfelt go off injury, uh, injured on Saturday as well. Um, the rotational side of things, I, I don't think any player just now should be feeling like that's the amount of the team. If they are getting that wee bit of a swap over, our only issue is, is that we don't have a left back or a left back that he trusts. That's that's the issue. So what you are saying is, we miss Greg Taylor. <laughs> no, no. Is that One what you trusts, me? I'm saying. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> don't put words in my mouth. Mate. Away you go, mate. <laughs> yeah, nobody's quoted that. But if just... you look up inverted fullback in a coma. There's wee Greg. Yeah. You wonder why Montgomery, who he he was keen to play, Andrew was keen to play him and he, and he got a good crack of the whip there and hasn't done much wrong and it's just fallen out all of a sudden. You wonder why he wouldn't consider him because the changes he made on, on Saturday, so Mikey Johnson came on, Forrest came on and Kyogo obviously came in. So three very attacking uh, subs. I wonder if we had the luxury of a fourth, like, you know, fourth and fifth that we had last season, he would have changed that on the left-hand side. And I'll be telling in terms of what he does in the next few weeks because that's going to come across as harsh here but I think we all know that moving forward I don't think Ralston is the answer I may be proven wrong and, and you know that'd be good news if, good news if I am but I think we know Juranovic has been signed to be a right back yeah. yet he has barely featured there and we really want to see there, there's two things happening you're obviously nullifying the fact that we don't have a natural left sider you're also nullifying Juranovic himself because he has got an attacking threat mm-hmm. but we've just not seen it No I, 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 I totally agree um, it's a uh, it's a bit of a difficult situation for us to be in at the moment. Um, I think that for me, that the Monte thing for him not kind of being back in the team that much is uh, looking at the Ferenc Varos game. I think even though we were fairly in control, I thought that first half, it just it was a couple of shaky moments. And I think he's now realising I'm playing, maybe he's getting too much game time. He's still very young. He's still developing. And he's also, that's not his, that's not his first position. A lot of people forget that as well. I think the guy was a winger. Um, and he's... <laughs> 
playing in a, a setup where maybe not used to defending the way he's had to. Um, and, you know, it gets harder, obviously, when you're in, you're in that starting lineup every week. I wouldn't be surprised if he's just thought, maybe bring him out for a rest. The, the same way he's kind of done with Welsh. You know, we've not seen a lot of Welsh, which has been, you know, for me, I, I was quite happy at that with Welsh kind of coming out of the team. I kind of thought, it's still maybe too soon for him too, but it's also been great to see the uh, the partnership built up between Starfelt and Carter Vickers. Um, but yeah, Starfelt's another another issue. Yeah, so you're obviously going to see Welsh more than likely slotting back in for the next couple of games. Are you happy enough with that, Muff? Yeah, I'm happy enough with that. Again, I think Welsh took a good degree of responsibility at the start of the season when, when the chips were down and, and things weren't so rosy. So it'll be interesting to see him come back in um, with an experienced partner. I mean experienced in the sense that Carter Vickers is featured in every game that he's been available for, so he kind of knows the, the time of day now. Um, with regards to Montgomery, I think he has been overexposed. I think that's that's a good way to put it, Paddy. Um, he's probably played more games than even Andrew would have imagined, but he, he's not he's not let himself down. I think he's acquitted himself really well, and you know he's shown that he's got to be a valuable squad member for the rest of the season. I just think the 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 whole Juranovic at left back issue becomes even more galling that you keep him there and he's on the pitch when the penalty's awarded and he doesn't hit it. That, to me, would suggest the reason you're wanting Juranovic in the team is for some particular reason, even if you're playing him out of position. Yes, for his experience, but, I mean, surely, surely he has to hit that penalty. Yeah, I'd say so. I tell you what we'll do. We'll get to that just in a minute. There's a couple of wee things I want to cover off before that. Um... But we're touching on the wide men. Um, you've obviously mentioned that James Forrest is back in. Talked about Mikey Johnson been isolated in that left-hand side. I spent far too long uh, after the game on Saturday uh, debating folks on Twitter about uh, Mikey Johnson and the impact he has. I've stated here before that I'm a huge fan. I think he's a serious talent. But there are so many fans, certainly on my timeline, that have just completely written the guy off. Saturday was tough and you're going to get the, you know, the the, the serious overreactions when, when we don't pick up those points. As you see, if it's a disaster. How do you think Mikey Johnson and James Forrest fared when they came in, Paddy? Again, you know, for such a... A tightly knit backline that they were up against. I thought it was uh, it's quite a difficult game. Like me, uh, made the point they're up against two or three every time. Um, Johnson's not getting the support from from Juranovic. Uh, there's not really much else he could do. He did get that ball through though for Forrest, and it, it was a good one. I, for me, I, I I still think there's a lot of potential with Johnston. Um, I think there's a huge there's a huge debate about him, um, which is fine, which is okay. That, you know that's that's what's going to happen. We've got to remember that. Yes, yeah, coming up. Well, he is twenty three, and he's he's basically been in and out of the team since what we first seen him under Rogers. And I think people are frustrated because they know that there can be a player there. And I kind of think we've maybe seen that with Forrest as well. For me, I thought Forrest looked okay. Um, there wasn't really much to feed off. I think we were just so so slow um, and trying to get the ball out to the wings. Um, the, the passes to the left back and the right back were getting then getting brought back into the middle and it was just too much dilly-dallying in my opinion yeah. for them to really do much. What do you think, my f- I, me and James done the, the final whistle show, the match reaction and spoke about the fact that I thought Forrest had quite little impact. I've since watched the last 15 minutes or so back and he was actually involved in a couple of things. As Paddy mentioned, one of those things was, in my opinion, missing a serious chance after the penalty to just tuck it away with his left foot. Yes, and... I- to go back to the point about Johnson's impact, I, I thought he just didn't take responsibility. I, I think if you're put on the park as a winger, regardless of what your ability is, my thought would be, unless you've been explicitly told not to, is to take somebody on. I thought he neglected to do that very, very often. Now, at times there was, 
you know, he was getting doubled up on that, that that's fine. But it was so obvious, even for an early stage on receiving the ball, that he wasn't even going to attempt to square the man up. It was, you know, his body shape was all about, I'm just going to give the ball back to you. Um, so for me, if I'm, if I'm being really honest about it, I thought he shirked responsibility. That was how I felt at the game. Yeah. Now, part of that was maybe frustration mm. at the fact that I felt a few players were doing that. You know, I've already said that I felt Turnbull did that. To a lesser extent, McGregor, although he was he was kind of sitting a, a wee bit deeper. But I, I think, you know, you just need to try and make something happen. There was literally no threat from Livingston. No threat. No. So, you know, gamble. You, mm. you, you need to gamble. And, and again, I think the squad, the team have to understand the mentality that you need. If you are serious about challenging for the title, you need to throw the kitchen sink. I don't, whilst we had all the ball, I don't think we really did that. Yeah. Yeah. I think whether it was the, I don't know, 65th minute or the 95th minute, we were still just showing this patience yep. in the build up. And sometimes you want to say, can we turn the screw a wee bit and just have a go yep. at it? To your point, Paddy, you know, I don't think we take risks in the final third. Maybe it's part of Angie's approach, but it's very much about being in control. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you get to that final third, you want to just take the shackles off and say to somebody like Johnson, Jota, James Forrest, whoever, go and try something a bit different. If it doesn't come off, we won't have a problem with it. But you need to try these things. Otherwise, what are you going to get? I, I think um, a big mantra from the majority of the top coaches seems to be about recycling the ball. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going down a certain avenue, it's not on. Get the ball back. We'll start again. We'll rebuild and, and that. And, and again, that's great and that's fine. Um, but in, in the context of, of Saturday, it was fairly obvious early on what was going to happen. Nothing was going to change. So you need that. I don't want to call it a plan B, but it's down to the personnel on the part to take the initiative. Mm -hmm. um, I, I understand the manager's going to play the way the manager wants to play and that's that. But, you know, it's the players on the part that do the business. So take the initiative and try and make something happen. That That's kind of the way I view it. Yeah. I mean, it has changed the, the, the shape and the formation to an extent when he brought Kyogo on. He effectively went four two four, yes. the old classic. Mm -hmm. So you've had McGregor, and, McGregor and Turnbull anchors. Sensible it, soccer, exactly. And as you say, Livy aren't offered much, so you can yeah. afford to get away with that. So you've got uh, McGregor and uh, Turnbull anchored as your midfield two. Then up top, you've got Mikey Johnson at the left, uh, Kyogo and Jackamacus on the right, and Jota then replaced by Forrest. Sorry, Kyogo and Jackamacus through the centre, Forrest on the right uh, when he came on. So you've got four you know, serious attacking threats there, but it doesn't matter who the four are if they're not willing to try things. And I don't know if it's, again, under instruction from Ange to, this is how we play, we're patient, we do this, 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 or if they themselves just don't feel confident enough, but there's, there's talented players there. And all four of those front men I've mentioned have the ability in their own right to, to change a game at any given moment, any given game yeah. at any given moment, but they just don't seem brave enough to do so at this moment in time. I, I agree. Um, I have to kind of, look at the stats for the other day and you're looking at 85% possession against Livingston and you're talking about like that, that four, we're talking about taking the risk, we're talking about, you know, just, you know, give, give it all, give it all, like throw the kitchen sink at it, absolutely. There was 10, 10 outfield Livingston players in their box in the last five minutes for a, a, a good few times. Um, it's, I'm not saying that that's an excuse. That's very difficult to play up against, absolutely. And when you are desperate, when you start, you know, you need to get the victory, you need to get the win, the, you, you start losing the composure, uh, everything starts, the, the, the tactics that you've kind of learned, the training that you've went through to try and break a team down, I think that starts to go out the window a bit and I thought that was fairly evident. 
from us in the last 10 minutes on uh, Saturday. It looked a bit, a bit panicked. I think you're right. And I think that I'm sure they'll have worked on this at Lennox Town. They'll have worked on playing against a, a low block, to use the phrase, and, and up against 10 men and different things. And it's fine up at Lennox Town. You're more relaxed. You might be happy to play with a bit of freedom and express yourself. But it's very, very different when you come up to you know that on a Saturday and there's 60,000 expectant fans. To defend Mikey John-Smith, because it's something I've, I've been doing for a while, I've spent most of my weekend doing it, so I might as well do, <laughs> might as well do it with you in person. When he gets the ball and looks up, and, and you can you know play it back as, as I've done, there's three guys ahead of him at times, so say he has got the character is to that, beat the first man. The, is that for the low block? For the low block. But if he's got the, you know, if he if he faces up the first man and manages to get by him, and even the second man, there's a third man there and no doubt others coming across. I just think it's almost an impossible task. And I think he done it a couple of times. He weaved his way through the the edge of the box. He found Ralston outright at one point, who played a low cross, but it was too near the keeper and different things. I don't I don't think he's bottled it. I think he's trying what he can to unlock that door. And I just think I it's think a, I said shirked it rather than bottled it. Shirked. What's the definition of shirt? shirt? I just don't think he's took responsibility. I wouldn't necessarily say bottled it, but I'd say shirt responsibility. Yeah, I, I, I disagree on that. I don't I, like I don't like being misquoted. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> The fans can play the, the tapes back and, yep. and back you up. Yep. I just think whether it's him or Jota or Abada, it's such a tall order. When, and listen, this is very rare. Other teams come to Celtic Park and defend. That was another level of defending. I, I mean, with the, the mirror image the week before against St. Johnson, and I took a still where St. Johnson had players all within about 50 yards of their goal. Livy were within about 30 yeah. yards of their goal. It was incredible. Well, just, just on that point, I think that this does represent, in, in many ways, it's a compliment to the steps or the advances that the team Celtic have made in that they were deemed at the start of the season to be fragile mm -hmm. and there to be got at. I think now that teams have faced them, they realise that by being in any way open against Celtic, you're, you're giving them a, you're giving yeah. them a good chance. Right. So when, when teams are coming to Celtic Park, you know, there's obviously more expectation in teams when, when they play at home, albeit Livy don't particularly care about that when they play against us, they'll just, they'll just sit in and take what they can get in the break. Um, and it worked to good effect at the spaghetti I had earlier. But um, the the main point for me, going back to Johnson, going back to Forrest, um, and going back to the whole, just the whole way, that, the style, the tempo that we played, it was flat fairly on. Yeah. It, you know, you get that sense that something different was needed and the changes that were made were just really more of the same or, or the pattern I played didn't really change. I I, I just feel, you know, when, when you're on the... You've been there yourself when you've played at any... You know, you need to try and do something that's a mm -hmm. wee bit different. I just don't think MD really actually tried that and, and that was the most disappointing thing for me. Yeah, and that's a tough one and I just don't think we'll face that too many times throughout the season but we struggled on Saturday. It's a big factor when you're trying to kind of trust the process and <clears throat> believe me, I still do under this, this leadership just now. I, I, I'm not... You know, I'm kind of taking the perspective of, of it all. I'm not, I'm not too worried um, about Saturday. A big factor for me is that the players that do want to push and and play the tactics that the manager wants, everyone needs to be singing off the same hymn sheet. And for me, and I, I, I'm not, I, it sounds as if I'm just having a go at the guy here, but beat on. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like you, that's that's the stem of your play. That's where everything is starting from. McGregor's been doing it really well this season. If everything's coming from Beaton, it's just, it's not going to go quick enough. It's not going to go quick enough. Unchallenged, his passes were poor. Uh -huh. And just when he was challenged, it was going to the side. And that frustrates a player as well. That frustrates 
those that are wanting to receive the ball in the tighter, harder positions. We've seen it against Levy up there as well, and I'm not um, excusing the likes of McGregor, but the um, the, the game against Livingston, one player that was uh, meant to be pulling the strings and starting the, the play was James McCarthy, who wasn't match fit at all. And you could see that it just played into their hands, just standing and waiting, and basically just covering all avenues, all channels for the ball to get through. If a player's not quick enough in doing that, it's, it takes two or three seconds and we're behind. Yep. We're, we're trying to look to yep. the sides. And that's, for me, all that we, we can do against Livingston. If you play someone like McCarthy, it wasn't fit. And if you say play someone like Nier Beaton, it just, for me, isn't good enough to play for Celtic. This was one of my suggestions and it, it is absolutely, you know, all hindsight in 2020 and all that kind of stuff. But the suggestion was that we get McGregor, McGregor back into that, you know, number six role and allow someone else alongside Turnbull to try and replicate the Rodgers role and perhaps to try something like a Jota or a Mikey Johnson. Because listen, with those, you know, creative options with the fact that Forrest was around, Abada was around, you had the flexibility to try that because as we've covered here, Livy aren't coming at us. You do not need a, a defensive central midfielder, to, you know, anchor as such. You need someone who can get in the ball and make it make it tick. That's McGregor. And can he get two yep. more creatives up ahead of him? It'd be interesting to see uh, Kyogo in the 10 uh, with Jacko up top. Do you as think well. so? I'm yeah. quite so sure if that would have been, I mean, we'll, we'll never know, we've not seen it yet. You know, and just kind of what we're going back to, you're going up against a physical team, you know, small balls into him there, he's, he's you know, he's drawn in the fill with these guys, so... I, I thought that's kind of what they were trying. That's how I interpreted it. When he came on? It. Mm-hmm. That's how I interpreted it. Anyway. But you've still got Beaton feeding that. <laughs> so that's the end of the day. So so by the time Beaton feeds it, everyone's regrouped from a Livy point of view and, and they know what no, they're doing. Listen, we can, we can do this to death, but ultimately it, it doesn't change anything. We, we drew 0-0 with Livingston. We've done it before. We'll probably do it again. The, the interesting point for me was just how limited we looked for so long in the game, which is not something I thought I would be seeing this season. But I think a huge part of that is to do with Kyogo not being on the park for the full game. Yeah, I still I think, think so. that's, a, that's a huge point. But I, I, I do accept Paddy's point about, about Beaton being the focal point. It's slow, it's ponderous, and it's probably just not good enough. Yeah. Tell what we'll do. Before we move on to the next point, let's hear Carl McGregor's thoughts post-match, including the question about who should have taken that penalty. You know, it's a hard one to take because there's, there's only one football team trying to win that match. And, you know, we get the chances, get enough chances to win the game. Um... To be fair to them, you know they were set up well, defended well, defended their box well, um, closed the gaps where we were looking to play in. So, you know, but I still think we did enough to win the game, and, and that's the the bit that's hard to take. You know, it's all worked out before, um, so you know that that's the plan. Um, if George is on the pitch, it was him. If not, it was, it was Joseph. So, you know, there's there's no debate about that. It's important that we, we don't dwell on it too much. You know, we've been on a good run, um, played some great football, got some great results. So. You know, it's, it's disappointing. We'll learn from it. We'll have a look at the game and, and see where we could be better. Maybe um, try to create more chances. But again, I think we did enough to to win the game. So it's, it's just a case of you know keeping everyone together, um, recovering well. We've got two massive games next week as well. So you know we, we need to get back at it. So you can hear there the the disappointment in Callum McGregor's voice as he as he kind of rakes over the coals of it. Uh, sure, he and the players were as frustrated as anyone with the result. He's also confirmed, um, I'm sure you've seen it clarified elsewhere as well, and she's also come out, but he's also confirmed that the matter of who should take the penalty, i.e. Jackamakis, is something that's decided way ahead of the game. So, like you've touched on, Muff, and, and certainly a lot of us, you know, at the moment when the penalty was given, you're just screaming out as to why Juranovic wasn't holding the penalty, uh, holding the ball, sorry, to take that penalty. Uh, he scored two for two, a very good penalty away to Betis, and one as recently as last week against St. Johnson. Surely, 
at any club, at any level, you're on the penalties till you miss one. Um, nah, t- two for two, f- fine, fair play for Juranovic. Uh, Jacko's your striker, striker should be taking a penalty. He's a natural finisher in the team. Here's another thing, okay, so, and I like number nine's taking penalties, yeah. by the way, or number sevens or whatever, but yep. The other thing is, Giacomacus, I don't think, is going to be a regular starter for us. You know, he'll come in and out, I think, depending on what's happening with Kyogo. And I think from that point of view, you want to make sure, generally speaking, that your first choice taker is a guy who's more often than not going to be on the park. That's where Juranovic steps in, surely, Miff. Absolutely. And you can also add to the fact that Giacomacus was absolutely murder, um, which is never good when somebody's taking a last-minute penalty and they've been honking. So I, I would add that into the, the equation as well. But like I say, the, I think it's worth noting, just listening to McGregor there, I, I know we've been a bit doom and gloom mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. tonight, but I think it's worth noting what an excellent captain Callum McGregor's been yeah, through yeah. this whole time, through a huge state of flux for the club. He carried himself really well last season whilst he was, he was poor in terms of form. Um, to have come back and, and played the way he's played this season and, and represent the club the way he's represented the club, I think he's an absolute credit to Celtic and, yeah, and, and just hearing him there just brought that. What I was thinking there was rather than making me think about the game, which you have made me do. And I, I, to be honest, I'm a bit in a huff with both these for it. Fine, I, knew, I knew I was recording the podcast tonight, <laughs> but still it's brought back. A, I'm getting kind of um, post-traumatic stress here thinking about um, <laughs> Saturday. Cranky, no doubt about I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm in a mood, no doubt. <laughs> um, but listening to McGregor there, I was just actually thinking of the positive, just think how lucky we are that he stayed He's, he's, you know, he's here, he's willing to take up the fight and it's just it's just a pleasure. Just on that note, um, something we kind of missed, Paddy, you, you had the pleasure of speaking to Cal McGregor last week, so there was a presser. Um, he was meant to come and speak to us after his five-year deal was announced, but you know, kind of the match programme uh, and the kind of, sorry, the fixtures and the intense run of games got on the road of that. But Paddy and, and various other fan media sites spoke to him last week. How did it come across, Paddy? You said you were quite impressed. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Myth. I think he's, um, he's taking this role on uh, and it's a, a difficult transition for for the full team at the moment. He's taking it on, and he's just basically trying to carry on what Brown had with the players, you know. Um, but there's something just very sincere about the way he's kind of he's he's, he's he's taking this role. He's, he was excellent last week in the the fan presser, and I thought the level of questioning from all the the fan media sites was absolutely brilliant as well. By the way. Um, a big shout out to the guys too. No, Coming yourself, Paddy. No, uh, well, mine's was all right. <laughs> <laughs> but he was um, he was great. Uh, every question was answered thoroughly. Um, he gave insight to what's kind of happening at Lennox Town. Uh, from our question, just uh, I, I love the the line about I'm drip feeding information about the club to him every single day, and that that for me is just you know that's what we want to hear as fans. It's not just giving us something. It's not giving us uh, sound bites. It's giving us belief that. Uh, things are looking up at the club and uh, and it is taking that perspective I'm, I'm totally with you even just listening to that clip there that we've just heard it just kind of make you think you know four points is nothing we're in October it's it's still very very early days and I still think we can only get better I, I think we're ahead of schedule no, I do I... It just, it's, it's just if the draw had came at the start of that sequence of results you'd, you'd be sitting here absolutely buzzing mm-hmm. um, it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a Chris Kane it's a bit of a kicking the knackers but um <laughs> At the same time, we'd, we'd need to be realistic about where we are and and the fact that the team's still gelling and the fact that Angie's still trying to get his way across to them. And, you know, the working relationship's still only about three, four months old. So the, all, all those things, you can sit here in the, in the, you know, after the event and think to yourself, right, okay, it's, it's not that bad. But my, my point, I suppose, is, and I've already 
laboured on it a few times. As I did think it was pretty bad on Saturday. We just I just thought it was so flat for early on, and the fact that nothing kind of sparked us into life is a wee bit concerning. But there's still a lot of the season left. I know every game is going to go at that. That, that. that much is true. Tino's much fabled low block isn't going to make an appearance <laughs> every single game. Indeed. I, I mean, obviously you guys have spoke for a couple of minutes here about McGregor, which is lovely stuff, but we need to get back to that penalty because we've not fully covered that. So <laughs> uh, in terms of Jack and Marcus... Trying to just kid on it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. It, it definitely did. Um, in terms of Jack and Marcus, so 26 goals for Venlo last season in 30 games. Eight of those were penalties. So in general terms, he's no stranger to hitting the back of the net from 12 yards. Although it looked far from that on Saturday. But that, that penalties often go in, not right in the corner. Yeah. It's just dependent on where the keeper dives. If the keeper dives the right way and you've not put it in the corner, you look like an absolute mug. If if you if the keeper doesn't go the same way, you look like an absolute genius. That that's it. It's fifty fifty. All I would say is I think you're a bit more forgiving if you walk up and you absolutely rattle the penalty into a corner and if the keeper gets across and saves it great. If you scuff it um, in the sixth minute injury time, uh, then you're open to a fair bit of mm-hmm. abuse. Um, and dare I say, well merited abuse. Because <laughs> uh, his body language just looked poor, Paddy. Um, you'll have seen it when he picked up the ball. He just didn't look confident. Um, if you watch the, the video playback, you can see in his eyes he's not confident. He's also played 90 minutes there on Saturday for the first time since I don't know when. So he'll have been absolutely shattered by the time he's picked up that ball. And he's just struck it with a man who just didn't believe in himself at that moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a really poor penalty, but I agree with Miff's point. You know, it's it is a fifty fifty. Um, but it just it it didn't look uh, confidently struck at all. Just looked weak. But you know, I, I, again, I go on what you just said there about the start of last season. He did score quite a few for for Venmo, and I can kind of possibly see maybe that's why I just said, "Well, you're comfortable here. Let's let's give this a go. Let's put this in." But it maybe came too soon for him, but again, that shouldn't be an excuse. If you're not going to hit one at home against Livy, when do you hit one? Not true. But I would look at it from the point of view that I would have felt less bad about the dropping of points if Juranovic had missed the penalty. I think with Juranovic being on the park, if he'd stepped up and he's missed it after being two for two, you go, ah, well, that's just one of the days. Whereas we have created a situation out of something that shouldn't even be a situation, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think that after, especially after the manner in which Juranovic has hit those two penalties, they have been excellent penalties. We Aplorm is the word you're looking for. We have, no, James isn't here this week. We have absolutely created a situation out of where there was not one. And it's our own doing. So, it's our own fault. Jeez, back to the doom and gloom again. Uh, no, but it is, but it is. <laughs> no, you're you, right, you, I know. You, you know, just, you've got a guy that's went two for two, it's absolutely wrapped Aye. to side netting with both penalties, and you've went with a guy who, like we say, hasn't had a great game, you know, he, he scored a goal last week, right, fair play for him, but, he, I, I don't Aye. know, man. Tell, I, tell I'm, what, I'm tying myself in notes here, just move what, on. One move last on. on that, though, he say he goes and scores another five penalties and then misses one, and everyone's like, or a striker should be taking it, you know, it's... It's better if you score five first and then this one <laughs> rather than miss one. Which... But then eight, eight last season, so I, I can get why he's been picked. None this season when we've got a guy on the part that scored two. Well, that's for me. It just you will never ever convince me that was the right thing to do. Moving on, Miff, before you get Thank far you. too far Thank too you. cranky. Um, before Saturday, of course, uh, we were through Easter Road. Obviously, a huge win for Angie and the boys. There was a 
Uh, before the game, you know, a seven-game winning, sorry, seven-game non-winning streak through Easter Road. So we had a kind of hoodoo break and different things, and thankfully we managed to really turn on the style in the first half. Paddy, like myself and James, you were there on Wednesday. What did you make of that one, and in particular the first half performance? Yeah, just um, for me, shows what we're capable of. Um, thought the first half is the best football we have played all season. I thought we were in- incredible. Thought the movement through the middle was brilliant. Um, we we gave. Hibs no room to breathe at all and yeah just dictated play and then in the second half obviously they, they got their goal um, they got their goal and in in obviously in the first half there but the, the, the second half I thought albeit you know a bit of a, a bit of worry seemed to creep into some of the fans about you know just worried about any mistakes at the back or anything I, again I just thought we, we handled it very well um, thought the back three of Hart Starfelt and Carter Vickers solid again. Yeah, um, yeah well deserved victory. I also think that had we needed to, we maybe had another gear to go in the second half. You know, yeah. at that point it was controlling the game. You're three one up. There's no reason or no need to go and chase the game. You're well in control. Players, you know, feeling good at themselves, confident. And I think if Hibs had, you know, tried to come at us anymore, we would have gone up the park and scored a fourth. My about yourself, obviously, as Paddy says, impressive and particularly in the first half. Is this just trying to cheer me up? Don't worry. I thought I thought we were excellent. Um and the, the the most interesting point for me was the wearing of last season's strip. Yeah, yeah. Good to see good to see it in the flesh. Oh, what, a, what a lovely strip. Lovely. Um no, I was I was very impressed and I think it's great that those wee things are kinda of getting knocked off, you know, the whole Hibs hoodoo thing, you know, the fact that I just came in. First trip to Easter Road, emphatic victory. Yeah. Performance, probably the most important thing there in terms of the free flowing football, particularly first half that we played. I agree with you, Tino. I think it was a, a containment job, second half, showing that we do have that um, that side is if, yeah. if it's needed where we can, you know, we can just sit in and hit teams in the break mm-hmm. if, if needs be. Um, and, and probably should have scored a couple more in the second half. So, no, I, I mean, for, for me, um, I think that's a sign of the progress that we've made. Um, Hibs, Hibs are always a tricky opponent for us, whether it be Celtic Park or Easter Road. Um, to go there and dominate the game, and, and like you guys said, I think he's made reference to Easter Easter Road under the lights. Um, you know, one swept. Uh, it was it, it was just it was just class, and, and seeing the play, the players seem to really enjoy it. That which you know you you kind of feel that that there is that unity in the team, and and even hearing. Um, Cal McGregor speaking after the game about the, the disappointment. I've no doubt that the dressing room was a, a very frustrated place after after the game um, on on Saturday as well. But if you look at you know Hibs, Motherwell, St Johnson, Aberdeen, that, that's that, Livingston as well. To have come through them, we only two points dropped. Considering where we were at the start of the season, you spoke about perspective, Tino. Yes. Absolutely, I understand that those tranche games we've done very well out of. It's just the fact that the last game has been the game we are, and and I, I repeat the point: the fact that you could have went top if you won. Oh, aye. I think that's that's been the thing where of it's course. just that that's why everybody's shoulders, well, mine in particular, have slumped. I know, and it's the order it's come in. So we've taken thirteen points from fifteen. If you'd have taken one point at the start of this run and then going on a, a four game winning streak it would have been fine I mean just to look at that so if we'd have taken say a point to Easter Road on Wednesday which I would say most fans might have been okay with and then all three points on Saturday it's the same net result so Celtic would have been in 23 points which is, is what we're on now so tough as it may seem and it's it's not a happy clapping thing here but you know should we be viewing 
overall the month of October is a, a really successful month. Yeah, I think we should. Um, I agree with you on that, by the way. I think uh, that, uh, to be honest, Smith, the, the, the manner, the manner in which we've, we've dropped points on Saturday, that's the killer. You're, you're spot on. I think that it's more down to the fact that because we've seen us go on this kind of, this, this run um, in October and then just have that bit at the end, that, that slip up. I think there's a huge difference though for me for last season and the kind of, the, just the words, even just the McGregor there. Um, psychologically, I think we're a lot stronger now. And I think, you know, you know, coming up against what, what we've got this month, I'm fairly confident in how, how we're going to perform again. I, I think we're just going to pick up where we left off from. I'm not, I'm not worried the way I would have been last season. Yeah. As you say, as the manner and the way it happened, you know, the, the penalty at the end, you know, having played badly, but thought we would get out of jail and different things. But but also the, the context of Rangers dropping points in the Wednesday night, Celtic gaining ground on them and then to immediately, yeah. you know, kind of just put them put them back in the driving seat. That, that was just, I suppose it's all those factors combined, but based on um, my early season predictions on what I would regard as success, we're still well within where where I had hoped we would be mm-hmm. and you would say touching distance. So as far as that's concerned, yeah. Y- you know, ahead of schedule, I would say I, I would say we were ahead of schedule. I think it's just we've spoken so much about momentum and when that momentum's broken, as it was on Saturday, it just sets you back. But it is just a setback and, and that's what we'll need to get used to, I think, you know, through the course of this season. So we face uh, another tough couple of fixtures this week before the latest international break. Uh, Scotland are away to Moldova next Friday, Miff, you going to that one? Uh, no, no, I, I didn't pull out the ballot. Um, <laughs> um, I did my, uh, I've um, dusted down my timbies and my, my kilt. Yeah, for ready for my trip. Um, but first up for Celtic, it's a trip to Budapest to face Ferns Faros in match day four of the Europa League before we then go to Dundee for a league fixture at Dens Park on Sunday lunch lunch time. Um, when is it, Tino? It's uh, <laughs> Sunday, just, just around about 12 o'clock. <laughs> right. Uh, my how do you see Ange approaching those ones? Obviously, you know, a bit of tension in the camp or certainly from the fans' point of view after Saturday. Um, do you rest any guys in Hungary? Do you go all out and go for the win, or how do you approach it? I think attention is just coming for me. I think the players in the camp will be fine. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just me that's feeling attention. Um, no, I, I, again, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic about the games. Um, Ferns Faros, you would say, in the in the context of the Europa League campaign, is a must-win mm-hmm. game. I think we need to go there and win. Um, I wouldn't expect too many changes. I would expect Kyogo to be playing um, through the centre. Uh, other than that, Welsh probably coming in, um, possibly Juranovic going to right back and, and somebody else coming in at left back, whether that be ball and non-fact won't be ball and goal, he's not in yeah. the squad in, you know, so yeah. whether that be Montgomery or, or Scales, Scales seems to only be wheeled out in um, Europa League uh, games in, for, for a maximum of 15 minutes, <laughs> um, so uh, there's a possibility of that happening. Um, midfield, I would I would hope that we would um, go without Beaton, but I suspect... It will be. It will be. It'll be the same midfield three, albeit that the game's slightly different, a bit more space for us to, to play into. Um be interesting to see if they, they go with, with Johnson and Forrest. That that's the only thing. I think you what you want to do with Forrest is you want to try and get as many minutes on the part for yeah. him as possible. I I think Forrest for the, the rest of the season will be a pivotal player for us because not only does he offer so much um going forward, well, in my opinion, you know, um but he, he also does a power of work for the team in terms of pressing and shutting down, which is a, an area where I think a bad and possibly Johnson are, are, are still a wee bit lacking. Maybe so. But as Miff says, obviously, you know, certainly a win or at least a positive result of any sort out there on Thursday, it gives you a serious chance of European football after Christmas, mm. whether that's Europa League or the, the Conference League. So what do you think? How do you see him approaching it? Yeah, I, 
I don't think he, I don't think he holds back. Um, I, 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 we go back to that word momentum that we've used quite a quite a good few times in this show. I think you just need to you need to start again, and and, it, and what a way to do it. You don't want to you don't want to cast any doubt going into a hard league game on Sunday uh, at Dens Park and and get a, like a a poor defeat over in Hungary or or like a even a poor draw if there's if there's a chance to go out and win there and we like we go and, and maybe concede a, a late minute equaliser or something like that. They want to go out and do a good job over here, kind of like we did at Celtic Park. We controlled the game against them. Uh, and they're a team to be got at and I think he will go for it It's almost a winner takes all isn't it whoever wins this tie between us and Ferns Faros will be in a, a strong position to qualify so yeah. it'll be hell for leather um, and then on Sunday uh, we go to Dundee Ross County have won their 5-0 uh, during the week so you know can't read too much into that but they're there for the taking aren't they Absolutely, um, but just just before we go any further I'm going to go off on a slight tangent know what it's been right it wouldn't be a show without it know what it's been right I've been on the bus after the game Saturday and I've just tried to forget it, right? I have just absolutely <laughs> blocked it out of my mind. Everything. The penalty, how snide it was, absolutely everything. Sunday, went to see Boss Baby 2 and everything at the pictures, <laughs> right? Everything. I've done everything to keep it out of my head. And see, the night he's have just made me talk about it and everything's come back. And that's why I've been so crab at You want now, a hug? I, I, just, I just need to explain to the listeners because they're probably sitting there, we're shrank with the wee man, you know what I mean? Nah. Jeez, but So there we go. I just thought I'd get that out of there. What did and, you expect for a 45 minute podcast? I know, I, thought, I, thought, I, know, I, know, I know. But again, I think I've just put it to the back of my mind and then I've been coming in there and I think, you know, coming in, COP26 everywhere, big Joe Biden crashing out and all that. And it's just, aye, aye, everyone's distracted me the day and then boom, I'm here and I need to talk about it. So to, to park in a different space. <laughs> I know. Have done away with our parking space. Please to park in a different street. He's tried to date me, lads. But anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> to go back to the game. Uh, well, I mean, Dundee's a, a place you would expect us to go and win on the basis of how poor they've been this season. Um, again, I think until such times as players are unavailable, we just need to keep playing our strongest team. And I know that might not be a very um, insightful bit of analysis, but that that's we just have to get our momentum back and maintain it for as long as we can because we go into those run of games in December. I know it's probably not feasible for us to um, keep the same team through through all those games, but we we just need to get back into that run of, you know, another, get five victories on the board or, or whatever it might yeah. be. Because one thing I will say is, is regardless, I know, I know Rangers had a, a thumping victory at, um, at Fir Park, but... Rangers this season are most certainly not the Rangers of last season um, where they looked like they were just going to beat everybody including fairly decent teams at the point in Europe as yeah, well they were, yeah. they, they were excellent last season um, this season they're, they're not and I do think if, if we're able to maintain a good bit of pressure there is absolutely no doubt our result on Saturday has then released the pressure valve for them on, on, on Sunday mm-hmm. and, and you've seen that so it's all about the, the cycle Ecological element of things as well, keeping that pressure on, keeping the momentum up. I, I think it will see it will see Rangers hopefully um, feel it a bit. Yeah, I think so. And I think two solid results this week to take us into the international break, a chance to regroup, get some fitness back, and then try and go on a serious run from mid November onwards would set us up. Because ultimately, it's in the middle distance, but January the second is the the big target, and to get there in a competitive place and not too far off the you know the points tally, that's that's what we've got to target. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll also I always stick by this that the game the season isn't won with those games though against them and, and we're seeing that obviously the slip up at the weekend but I, 
like you say, they're not the team they once were last season. Um, I can see them slipping up an awful lot more as well. What we need to do is just make sure that we're, we're just competing in every every single game. We are winning them, basically. Just to, <laughs> Sounds like good that. to yeah, me, Paddy. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the folks tune in for this insight, Aye, they really absolutely. do. Um, Muff, as we start to wrap things up, so I'm going to put you in the spot once again, looking for a scoreline prediction for both Ferenc Faros uh, and for Dundee in your final comments for the week. Um, well, thanks for making a note that I predicted the starting lineup. Um, the, week, uh, the Hibs game, I did manage that. Aye. Okay. Um, <laughs> however, both my scoreline predictions were wrong. <laughs> what was it? We'll, we'll get to you in a minute, Paddy. Uh, okay. What did I go for? I don't know. Can't remember. Um, one nil. You went. I one did. Nil. I went one nil, two nil, didn't I? One nil, two nil. Aye. Absolutely rotten. Right. So I will go Dundee. I'll go two nil. Uh, Ferns Faros. I will go two one to Celtic. Okay. Uh, and likewise, Paddy, your own final comments of the week and how you think those games will play out. Keeping in mind, you had Celtic 5, Livingston now near the weekend. Near Beaton, Dino. Ah, the again, the Beaton factor. Aye, aye. That was when we had Rogic in the team. Come on. Um, I think <laughs> for me, it, I'm going to go 2-1 as well on Thursday. Um, I think we, sh- we should have enough to, to beat them, even even without Tam. Um, Sunday, I'm going 1-0. I think it might be quite tight. Yeah, despite Ross County. Putting five past. I know, but they got they got a victory there at the weekend, so it's a bit of momentum for for them. So, aye, yeah, all right. Just to just to add to the fun, I'll go two 0 against Ferns Faros. I think three 0 v Dundee. So you're, we'll, you're, we'll, you're not having Ross County scoring five we'll, against him. Uh, you know, <laughs> Tino's, Tino's got this to his seven now. So uh, we'll reconvene this time next. You can see just how wrong <laughs> we've all been. So another important week away at Sanjani's team. And if you thought it was all going to be smooth sailing after a good run in October, then Saturday's result was a stark reminder of the ups and downs we'll continue to face in this roller coaster of a season. My thanks to Miff and Paddy for joining me this week and as always, our thanks to you for tuning in. If you're enjoying what we do and want to lend your support to the show, please share this week's episode far and wide with anyone you think might enjoy it. It really makes a big difference to what we do. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Podcast Network.